right, well, this morning, it's the the lectionary for this season, Advent. We're in the year that we look at Matthew. So we're looking at Matthew's birth narrative um, from Matthew's gospel. And sometimes we will look at this one as just kind of the the one that's not as fun as the, the Luke version. I mean, if you come Christmas Eve, we'll read the Luke, you know, and that's where you get the stable and the manger and the shepherds and you know all the good stuff and this one's just kind of the short quick version and but sometimes we'll read it and we'll just read over it like that and we'll miss the significance that that in Matthew's gospel and I told you before all the all the gospels were written to be read out loud in one sitting from beginning to end this is part of of the writer of Matthew's gospel letting you know how to read the rest of it. I mean, there's some major principles and some significant ideas that are being un- unlocked here, in my opinion. <laughs> so I want us to think about this story and the significance right here. So it says, the birth of Jesus happened this way. Mary is what? Just saying if y'all are awake. Bub- but not pregnant yet. First, betrothed, betrothed, and then she's pregnant real quick. Uh, betrothed, betrothed. What is what is betrothed? And y'all have heard that before, hopefully, in a sermon or an idea. You know, betrothed. In, in the ancient world, there was no dating. There was no. I mean, it just didn't work that way. Uh, most everything's arranged, and you just married them and hope you learn to love them. But uh, that's the way. It might might be a better plan. I don't know. But that's the way that works. To where there was a, a, a period that we might would put under the category of, of engaged. But here they're betrothed. What that means is they are referred to as husband and wife. They are, it's locked in. You know. But they don't live together. They're not married. They're not to consummate the marriage yet. But that's... That's the story. So they're referred to as, as husband and wife already. I mean, they're, they're, that, they're committed. And it turns up during this committed period, she ends up pregnant. She ends up pregnant, and it says Joseph wants to divorce her quietly. Now, he wanted to divorce her quietly. Why? She's pregnant. It's not his baby. And then it says that God shows up. A messenger of the Lord shows up and says to Joseph, don't be afraid to, to take Mary as your wife. This is the Holy Spirit. I'm at, I'm at work here. God is work doing something. And you even name the baby. Now, we'll just pause there for a minute. So don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid. Now, I don't know about you. But, you know, we we celebrated some Christmas with with my in-laws yesterday. And, yeah, I got a few things. I don't get much. But I got, I mean, I got got good stuff. Don't get me wrong. Um, But, you know, the kids get really excited. But I have never seen anybody get really, ex- 
fearful or afraid. I mean, here God's saying, you can marry her and you're going to get the Savior of the world. I've never seen anybody get really afraid of receiving something good. I mean, really. Are you afraid of what you might get on Christmas? You're going to get a gift. I mean, if somebody said, well, I'm going to give you a thousand bucks. You know what I'm going to say? Come on. Come on. Give you a new car. There we go. You know, we're not afraid of getting something good. And it says here in the text, don't don't be afraid. Now, usually when messengers of God show up, they always say, don't be afraid. But here you're told specifically of what not to be afraid of. Joseph, don't be afraid of taking Mary as your wife. We're usually not afraid of getting something good. What are we afraid of? Something bad, maybe getting something bad. Often losing something is usually defined as bad because it means you're going to lose something you don't want to lose. Right? We'll hold on to something. We're going to lose it. We're going to lose, lose something, somebody, something, something. That's what makes it bad. You're going to lose something. So part of what's being told, don't be afraid to take her as your wife because there's fear in taking her as a wife because he's going to lose something. Now, the question is, what, what might he lose? Yes, but you've heard me say this before, Hunter. At this point in the text, there's only two things that you're told that he has. I mean, I don't think Scripture is meant to be tricky. It's not meant to not figure out. There's, he's afraid of losing the two things that he's told he's got. At this point, you've been told there's two things that he has. One is his name. What's his name? Joseph. I'm just going to let you know, names matter in Scripture. Joseph is a good name. That's a good name. That's part of the story. I mean, who's Joseph? If you've read Genesis, and the first, first Joseph we see in Scripture is in Genesis. You've you got story, you know, Abraham, and Abraham's great. Abraham's great, but he kind of messes up. Y'all know he kind of messes up, Ishmael thing. You get Isaac, who kind of goes in the direction of his, of his dad, and but it's pretty good. Then you get a whole bunch of story about Jacob. What is he? he he's, a, he's a manipulator and a cheat. And, a, and that's his story. Till he ends up becoming crippled, kind of wrestling with God. That we can't, that's not today's sermon. But that's to where it ends. The last story of Genesis is the story of Joseph. Joseph who's the younger son and, and gets, you know, y'all have seen Prince of Egypt or one of those. It gets, that's the wrong one, that's Moses. Uh, what's the one about, anyway. There we go, or the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Y'all have seen, uh, anyway. But he's the one that gets sold into slavery by his brothers. Ends up in prison because he did the right thing. He stood up against Potiphar's wife and he did the right thing and it gets him in prison. He ends up staying in prison because he does the right thing. He gets forgotten about and has years in prison. And it never lo- and God tells him, you're going to be great. Great things are going to happen. And it never, ever looks like anything good's going to happen until the end. 
And he ends up over Egypt. Great story. But Joseph is the final story of Genesis. It's the story of righteous waiting. He's the one that really waits. He just waits on God. And he just waits. And he waits in slavery. And he waits in prison. And he wa- that is the Joseph of the Joseph in May. That's his name. He's got a good name. And now, Hunter, what goes with his name? What did you say? His righteousness. That's the only other thing you're told about him. He's got a good name, and he's righteous Joseph. That's what it says. He's righteous. What does that mean? I often say, you know, righteousness is the opposite of wrongness. He's done the right things. He's done the right stuff. He's that person. I mean, y'all know people. Y'all know. He's that person that you, you know, they just do the right thing. They're just, a, you know, you want some good wisdom. You want some good, you know, what's the good decision here? Joseph has done the right stuff. According to his culture and what he's grown up in and what he does, those are the two things He has a good name and a righteous standing. And in the ancient world, especially the ancient world of first century Judaism, that is significant. Whatever his job, I mean, carpenter, that can also mean works with, you know, that he works with masonry, works with stone, we don't know, but he works with his hands, he's got a business. When you go to go get somebody as a carpenter, or is it going to be good, who do you want to get? When we go to Angie's List and find who is the righteous, honest plumber, right? Who has a good name? He's afraid of losing that. Why would he lose that? Now, this is the piece of the story that is so true. It's always been true. People are people. What do we do? We judge, that's right. We will fill in the gaps of anybody's story that we don't know. And we fill it in with good, fun pieces, right? And then we call up the prayer line and say, you need to pray for Joseph and Mary. Let me tell you what happened, right? The word spreads and it gets out there. People have always been people. You would lose your job. Lose your stuff. Understand, it's a major biblical principle that is being established right here. Gets built on in, in the wise men's story, which is right after that. Gets built on, on, through, on through Matthew's gospel in multiple ways. Is a simple idea that there is an outer righteousness that comes from other people. Your peers. Your culture. Your tribe. Your group. That you fit in with. We all have them. We're all Americans here, mostly, probably. There's things that are expected of us that you're supposed to, you know, have a good job, maybe save for retirement. There's a list of things you're supposed to do. Used to be culturally showing up on Sunday morning for worship was a culture. It's kind of fading away. But there's other things that you're supposed to do as in our culture that's 
the right thing, right? You go to any other culture, I, I love going to Africa. I love African culture. But there's things you're supposed to do to fit in that you're going to get righteous. Whatever your peer group is. And y'all know I don't do Facebook, but I remember back when, when I did and people were into really taking pictures of their food and putting it. Now, why does anybody want to see what I'm about to eat? But that was, you know, if you're going to be, get enough likes, you show people what your food looked like before you ate it. I don't know. And, you know, but whatever's going to get you the likes, whatever's going to get you accepted. And, it, and it's true, regardless of if you think it's not or not. I remember in high school, I would define myself if I hung out with the nonconformists. You know, I was the guy that wore the, had the weird hair and black trench coat and you know, combat boots. We were the nonconformists. We weren't going to be those preppy people. You know, they had to go by all their rules. You had kicked, you know. Well, you know, let me tell you. There are things you could do like that, and you lose your righteous standing with the other nonconformists. Because I was really doing stuff to fit in with the other nonconformists who were saying they weren't fitting in. You always have groups. That we jockey for position in. And we maintain a righteous standing that is external. That comes from others. But there is an internal righteousness. That comes only from God. And it comes from doing. What he says to us. For us, it comes from learning to hear and recognize his voice. Learning to respond to it. Part of the good news of Christ is when we get off track and we haven't responded to it. And we've made a mess and we get the gift of repentance. And acknowledging it and coming back under the wing. But there's an internal righteousness. That comes only from God. By doing what he says to us. And you see it throughout Matthew. You actually see it throughout the entire Bible. Some other places you see, you know, you know when Jesus, you remember when he, when he has that fig tree and it, it's all pretty on the outside, but it's not fig season. It doesn't have any figs and he curses it and it all die. Part of that story is you can look pretty on the outside, but fruit comes in the middle of him talking about fruit and bearing fruit and being fruit. Fruit comes only from the source, which is Christ. It doesn't matter how pretty you look on the outside. What's our fruit? The righteousness that comes only from, from God. So God tells Joseph, you don't be afraid of losing. Marry her. And name that baby as yours. Because see, earlier he had decided to divorce her quietly. I think because he loved her. Because he knew he had to divorce her. Because that's how you maintained righteous standing. He was actually supposed to divorce her publicly. And make a statement. That's not, you know, people say what, what he could do. You know, people, he could have had her stoned. He, he couldn't have had her stoned. Yeah, I had to have the man and the woman present. You had to have two witnesses, and they had to be willing to pass and cast the first stone. But he was supposed to. He was supposed to divorce her publicly. He says, it's not my sin. I didn't mess up to maintain his righteousness. But God says, 
No, I am doing something bigger here. And you're a piece of it. And you're a part of this story. And there is a purpose bigger than you can imagine. I want you to name that baby as yours. What does that mean for the community? He's admitting it's his kid. He's saying it's his kid. Even though as the reader and as the people who know Luke's version and we know what's going on with Mary, it's not. But people don't know that. He's willing to do what God tells him to do. And it, it changes everything in his life. It is not what he expected. It is not what he wanted. I'm sure. You know, people will often say, I just wish God would show up and tell me what to be careful with that. Said that before. Majority of times God shows up and tells people what to do. He's telling them to do something they really, really don't want to do. But it's for God's purpose. His life didn't work out the way he thought. Wasn't what he expected. Anybody ever had life not work out the way you thought? If you're breathing, you have. Twists and turns that we don't expect. We didn't imagine it that way. But as believers, we are gathered in this place because God is with us and there is a bigger purpose that you and I are invited into. Now, this last piece, and this is the last piece, I really wish wasn't in there. This would be so much easier to preach if the last thing I'm going to say really just wasn't in the text. But it is, if you read Matthew's gospel. It's the part I don't like. It's the part you don't like. It's the part we love to rip out. But the truth is, it does cost Joseph his name and his righteousness. We don't sing many, many Christmas carols about Joseph. We'll read Mary's, Mary Virgin. That comes in, the, in, in Luke. But then if you just read the text... After chapter 2 of Matthew's gospel, Joseph, his name, is never used again in Matthew's gospel. It's never stated. He is never called righteous Joseph ever again. He's only mentioned and brought up one more time. And it's in chapter 13, at the end of that chapter, when Jesus is preaching in his hometown. Y'all know that story. And the crowd says, why should we listen to him? Isn't it that car? They don't even use his name anymore. Isn't it that carpenter's boy? I mean, it's the equivalent of them saying, isn't that the illegitimate boy of that carpenter? who You remember he shacked up with that woman? 
Why in the world should we listen to him? That's what they're saying. That's what it cost Joseph. Did you ever thought about maybe that's why God picked Joseph? Joseph was willing to do whatever God told him to do, no matter what it cost him. I think that was important for Jesus to learn as he grew up. I think God picked a pretty good daddy for him. Because they're at the point that you and I benefit out of the fact that Jesus was raised by Joseph and taught to do whatever God tells you to do, no matter what it costs you. Even if it costs you hanging naked on a cross. But sometimes it does cost us. It's pretty much a guarantee. Jesus said it. Take up your cross daily and follow me. It's the part I wish wasn't in there. I would love to say God meets all your, he does meet all your needs. Said this last week in Sunday school. He just doesn't meet all our greeds and all our wants. He'll show up. Sometimes it does cost. But because Joseph was willing to and named him Jesus and he is our salvation, you and I, when we get it wrong, when we don't stand up for what's right, God still loves us and made a way that we can be welcomed in. But I invite you this morning to also think about what it may be God's calling you to do that might cost you. It usually does. Coming clean on something. Telling somebody else. Getting real and honest with God. The benefits will always outweigh the immediate external cost. Because Joseph loses his righteous standing. His name isn't used again. He's not even called Joseph in Matthew's gospel. After chapter 2, he's just called that carpenter. Have you ever thought about the fact? I want to put that picture on the front page. He's the only man that has ever walked the face of the earth. That Jesus will call daddy. You and I hope to hear a well done, good and faithful servant. Joseph gets to hear, hey daddy, thank you for giving up everything. I love to hear my kids. They don't, you know, as they grow up, they don't say it as much when I come home. They were a little runner, hey daddy, daddy, you got to have the savior of the world. Call him daddy. And be part of a story bigger than he could imagine. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't feel like. It doesn't, in the moment, it feels like this is messing with everything. But you and I are part of a story bigger than we can imagine. That is a gift and a privilege. And because of Christ, when we have messed up, you cannot mess up so bad. But he doesn't love you back in. Desire to make a way and to welcome us. In this season of Christmas, just don't miss an opportunity to surrender and to be loved by the one who gave us all for you. Let us pray.
Lord, I thank you for this story. It encourages me. It enlightens me. Every time I think about it, it it, it can even bring a tear to my eye, the faithfulness of Joseph. But part of the truth, it also steps on my toes, as it does for many of us. Of ways that we've missed the mark, or maybe we haven't stood up, stood strong for you when we should have. May we hear this morning that is part of the gift of this story. That you met a broken world in our brokenness and bore our pain and our sickness and our disease and our death for us that we may find freedom. May we surrender to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.